who went to an all-boys kind of traditional school growing up? Or a girls' school? Um, we, we, every, every morning, we would say this prayer, whether it didn't matter what religion you were, you were just part of the school, and we prayed the Lord's Prayer. Now, I know that prayer in America and the UK, where it used to be a part of the curriculum and part of people um, reading, reading the Lord's Prayer every single day doesn't happen anymore. It's really, it's booming now, so just a little bit done. That's great. Um, and we, on the 1st and 2nd of October, which is not next week, which is this coming Wednesday and Thursday, we are doing a church fast. Who has fasted before? Can you raise your hand? Voluntarily? Okay. Fasting is good. I, I was reading a book this week, and the way that this guy describes it is almost, do you know, like, when, you, when you're a child... I've seen even kids here, they snuggle up to their father, and they, they, especially girls, they're really good at this. They do like the little cute eyes, and then they can get, literally get their dad to do anything. I've, I've seen it with Ramsey. I've seen it with guys who have these girls who literally, if the girl just flatters an eyelid, the father will do absolutely anything for them. Those of you who are fathers, you know that that is true. And, uh, and I'm, for me, in some ways, with, with not diminishing the, the power of fasting, I feel that that in a way is what, what when we fast, it's almost like we're getting close to God and we, we're getting close to Him and say, Father, we're petitioning you. And I think so much in fasting, God changes in our hearts. He changes things in our lives. But it also, it's a supernatural thing. And, and we've seen last year when we fasted, we fasted for this venue where we are sitting here today. God came through. God has answered incredible prayers through different fasting times that we've had as a church. It's only two days. It's Wednesday, Thursday. You can break it Thursday night. Um, and I think... A good, for me, and I'm going to kind of just, just to give you some guidelines, fruit juice and soup and water, those are good things. And especially if some people are anemic or whatever it is, you can still, obviously if you're pregnant and you're not able to fast, don't fast, but fast something else. Fast Facebook, fast coffee, fast something. We are actually dedicating time to God. And then those moments where you are hungry, cry to God for certain things. And we're going to be emailing you every morning, giving you like a little bit of a devotional. And then... I'm really, I'm trusting God for more and more breakthrough. I, I said this last week, and we had, who enjoyed last week, the worship last week? I think for me, having someone who is gifted and comes in, who's a, is a worship leader, who's led in front of thousands of people, who's walked a journey, and is, and is leading from a place of brokenness, we, I think God did some incredible things last week. And I feel that that is just the start of what God is wanting to do amongst us. I've, the, one of the main things that I think is going to be on our, on our fasting list is for people to come to know Jesus. I'm praying, and I pray this often, that a spirit of evangelism would come over us as a people. That in order for us to advance, and we, we know, for those of you who are over summer, when we had 30, 35 people, we know we've grown a bit, okay? But a lot of that is just people coming up from holiday, inviting their friends, people moving to the city. I have a hunger to see people who are far from God come to know Him. I, it's the thing that burns inside me. It's why we plant a church. We, we, we look at, um, just if you look at different states, the, the, the greatest form of evangelism is church planting. It's not necessarily a big crusade that someone does, although those are brilliant. I think Renard Bonker goes along and sees 1.8 million people saved in one go. Incredible, incredibly gifted people. Billy Graham has led, the legacy that Billy Graham left was so incredible. Who, okay, everyone's heard of Billy Graham, okay? the greatest evangelist and reformer of our generation. 
And, uh, and I think one of these last day prophets where he's come and he's just, he's ushered in thousands, millions into the kingdom of God. And that's brilliant. But I think a local church in a community like Dubai, reflecting Jesus, focusing on Jesus is the greatest form of evangelism. And some of you even sitting here are on a journey. Maybe it's your first time in church. Maybe it's, uh, you've been here for ages. Maybe things have gone tired. I, I'm, I'm, I'm praying that the, the hunger that we had for God at first, and if you've never had that hunger, to be hungry for Him, as Ron was saying, but to be hungry to see people come to Jesus. It is the greatest, greatest miracle that we're going to sit with eternity with people that we have either invited to church You've been Christ to them in your workplace. And that's what I'm crying out in this time of prayer. So I thought it's very apt today to speak on the Lord's Prayer. There's so much I can say on it. It's something that, that has been uh, said in uh, presidential, uh, the White House and, and presidential homes for years. A lot of, lot of, lot of um, like, sorry, in England and around Europe, the Lord's Prayer was said every day. The America, America was built on people, the, the president praying this prayer every morning and evening. I went and read some history. If I get it wrong, Americans, don't shoot me, okay? Uh, it wasn't Wikipedia. It was a proper, proper thing. And I want to read you something. This is uh, in, the, in the War of Independence when America got the independence. And again, I don't know the whole story behind this. So I'm not even going to try to give context because you guys are just going to laugh at me. Um, but on the Battle of Forge, who's, have you heard of that? Danae, Yes. You learned that at school. Can you come and explain what the Battle of Forge is? <laughs> Kurt? No. Yeah, didn't listen in history class, obviously. It says, on the Battle of Forge, revolutionary troops were entrenched on the battlefield, freezing and starving. One day, a farmer who lived nearby brought a much-needed provisions to the troops. And on his way back through the woods, he heard someone speaking. He tracked the voice until he came into the clearing, where he saw a man on his knees praying in the snow. It's a prayer of desperation. The farmer rushed home and excitedly told his wife, the Americans will secure their independence. The wife asked, what makes you say that? The farmer replied, I heard George Washington praying in the woods today, and the Lord will surely hear his prayer. He will, thee we, we may be rest assured. And yes, of course, the rest is history. Americans got independence from the Brits. They kicked them out. Sorry, British. Matt. And, um, and if you look at the, the American history, first of all, there's the, the founding fathers was, was, was actually built a lot of the society on the Bible and understanding of the Bible. A lot of them were believers. The Constitution, if I'm not wrong, was written by a lot of people who, who were believers, believers in Jesus Christ. There's incredible men who evangelized that era in that time. You had George, uh, George Whitfield. Um, I'm going to get all the names wrong. Anyway, the point is that entrenched in America has been this has been this thing where so many ministries, so many missionaries have come out, and I believe it's because it was founded on the place of prayer. And if we as believers grip and grasp onto this thing, that us just communicating with the Father changes the earth. And I was um, with Stahler's dad recently, and he said, do not, anyone who's praying is relevant. I'm going to say it again, because it's good. Anyone who is praying is relevant. And what he meant by that is that in order to be relevant in the kingdom where you feel like you're counting for God, where you feel like what you're doing is actually making a change in eternity, your prayers are never gone unheard. The Bible speaks that our prayers are like filled up like bowls. 
in heaven and God pours out. And I feel that we as, as a church that alongside wanting to see people come to Jesus Christ is, 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 is a spirit of prayer. You, you, they don't, you can't have one without the other. If you, have, if you have prayer and you're praying for revival and you're praying for hearts to be changed, God is going to answer it. Some of you are praying for stuff right now. God is a God who answers prayers. I've seen people get radically healed, radically saved, and it's been due to people, to friends and family that have been praying for them. And we cannot ever back down, and especially in a city like this, who moved here and you were living back in your country of origin and you come here and you find that prayer is difficult? Is it just me? Sometimes it feels like there's a brass heaven, as the Bible says. Sometimes it feels like there's an open heaven. And I think we as a church, I'm, I'm praying that as we pray this next week, that we push open heaven and we say, God, would you flood your presence on us? Would you flood uh, new people coming to Jesus? Would you flood leadership, God? Would you just come and break in and move amongst us? So prayer is simply communicating God. Let's pray. We pray in relationship. We pray for help. We pray for healing. We intercede. We stand in the gap for others. That is one of the most powerful prayers we can pray, is standing in the gap for others. There, just there is a mom's room, just in case you need to know. There's a mom's room where you can still hear stuff, and then also kids on the side. I'm not kind of, I know there's a whole bunch of kids, so it's fine. I'm just, we have prayer that is warfare. Daniel 10, for me, the angel comes to Daniel and he says, from the moment you set yourself to fasting and praying, the Father has heard your prayers. And he says, I wasn't able to get you because I was fighting some other spiritual battle, but our prayers hold eternal and heavenly significance. It's not just praying for, oh, let's pray for my auntie's toe and little things, because God does hear all the little things, and that's great. But sometimes we get into this place of maturity in prayer where we're actually tearing down stuff as, as God's sons, and we, we're declaring God's word, and we're declaring his purposes over regions and over nations. And I'm honestly excited about this. I know we've got some intercessors in the church. Debs, I feel God wants to add more of that spirit of intercession on you. In, the, in these times that you've been walking through pain and, and difficulty, God is, God is going to add more and more. And, I, and, I've, and I've said this before, but there's something about when you pray for people, God starts to listen. There's a story of William Carey. Who's heard of him? He was, they call him the father of missions. And um, he was a missionary in Burma, India, and the West Indies, but he was also a shoe cobbler when he started. And people used to come to him and say, listen, why are you praying so much? You must fix my shoe. And he says, I'm, it says shoe is just, to, it's just for me to make, earn a living, to, to make a living so I can live. That doesn't, that kind of, I did a double there. Make a living so I can live. Um, and he says this, he says, he says, cobbling shoes is a sideline. It helps me pay expenses. Prayer is the real business. And the Almighty God used him to convert many, many Many people came to Jesus Christ because of William Carey. He went to Burma, he went to India, and he saw thousands upon thousands saved. Let's just look at this verse here. It says, uh, Matthew 6, it says, Our Father in heaven, we can read this together, I think it's up here. Have we got the verse? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, we can read it together. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We read it there as quite a religious thing. And the amazing thing is if you look at Luke 11 and Matthew 6, it's kind of a, it's a correlation of the, of the two prayers where it's the two different instances Jesus teaches about it. The one in Luke 11, his disciples are saying, listen, how do we pray? Please can you teach us how to pray? We obviously see that you have this radical relationship with the Father. Please teach us how to pray. So it's split into two parts. Obviously the first part is Godward. The second part is us looking inward. So it's, I always get this wrong, vertical and horizontal. Okay, so the first thing, I'm just going to split the words up. Can I say this? Before we even kind of opening, opening up the scripture, isn't it incredible that Jesus had to pray? Have you thought about that? Jesus is God, but he had to pray. And I think how much more do we, as, uh, as his sons and his daughters, need to pray? So let's look at that first line. Our Father in heaven. Jesus modeled prayer. He got up in the early morning. He, uh, when he chose his disciples, he prayed through the night. Um, he knew that his strength came from that place of intimacy. And I, I just want to just pick out one word there. It says, ah. And notice that it's not ah. So it's not my, but it's our. He says, instead of going my Father in heaven, which is true that it is, he says our Father in heaven. I think that for me is one of the most profound statements that Jesus has made, is that he's taken a place where he's the Son and he's saying, do you know what, I'm going to let you in to this place of intimacy with the Father. I'm gonna, all of you can partake in that same intimacy that I enjoy, that, that the fact that Jesus used to pray through the night, wake up early in the morning to go spend time with the Father, where he'd rather be with with the Father than be with crowds and be with people. And I think, can, can God really do that amongst us? Can there be such a place where that intimacy between the Father and us is so powerful that that, that is the only thing we think about? And I'm, I'm praying that that happens to us as a people, that uh, we learn to, to find this intimate place with Jesus. Jesus is inclusive. And I want to say this, a Christianity that is exclusive that is clicky, is not a Christianity that Jesus modeled and lived out. Jesus, in this moment of praying, is not saying, it's, it's, all, it's me and maybe you guys. He's saying, everyone's included. And Jesus paid the ultimate price. I love this verse. It says, Jesus told them, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father through me. Jesus made a way where it became from my to our. My Father to our Father. Hebrews 2.14, it says, Since we the children are all creatures of flesh and blood, Jesus took on flesh and blood, so that by dying he could destroy the one who held power over death. Jesus paid the price. He paid the price ultimately for intimacy. Intimacy was lost in the garden. Adam used to walk, so I'm going to trip over this any second. Adam used to walk in the cool of the day with the Father. Sin came in, mess things up. And can we bring it down to back to us? Is that often we, we mess up because no one is sinless here. If you are, well done. You've got the sin of pride. Um, everyone carries sin. Everyone messes up. And then so often when we mess up, we, we, we go and hide. We go like, like, like Adam. We go try hard. We put leaves on ourselves and we like hide away from God. I mean, how absurd is that? Jesus made a way where he paid the price for us so we can commune with him. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us 
so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I love that. God made sin, so God made him who had no sin, Jesus Christ, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now that is a powerful scripture, that it's not, it has nothing to do with our works. It has nothing to do with what we can try to bring before God. I'm like, God, I've been good this week, whatever. It's Jesus became sin on our behalf so we could, we could have, have the righteousness of God. It's mind-blowing. Our, our, it's quite difficult for me to say with my accent, our is more than just a word. It absolutely changes everything. Our Father. Now the second word I'm going to look at is Father. And now that again is like before that time God was looked at as as, as a rule following God, you had to do a certain amount of things to earn favor with him, to, 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 to love him, to earn it. And uh, Jesus comes and changes everything. He says, listen, I'm not only bring, I've not only made the way, I've not only changed it from my father to our father, but I, I'm bringing this closeness. There's an intimacy that you can now live in. Christianity is the only religion where we call God our father. And for me, that is so powerful. If you think a lot of you, have grown up with dads that aren't great. Some of you have grown up with dads that are great. The point is we have this heavenly father that is absolutely perfect. And we can, we can trust him. There's an intimacy that Jesus is drawing his disciples into. He's saying, do you know what? You don't need to know God from a distance anymore. You can know him personally. You see me go up the hill. You see me wake up in the morning. I know God. I know my father in heaven. And that, that Jesus came to reveal who the father was. And Honestly, as believers, guys, I, I, God wants us to start talking to him. And the amazing word about Father, who's, who's a dad yet? Can you raise your hand? I know you've got some, like, Rams and the kids, um, Tyron, and they've got kids that are, like, just starting to speak and talk. And you know the dad always goes there, and he's waiting. He's like, where's Dada? And he's like, he's just waiting for Dada. And sometimes Mama gets said first, but he's like, no, she wasn't, she wasn't saying anything there. She, and that, and it's like an important moment when the Father says Dada. And I always claim it because Dad always sounds like Dan. So I'm like, oh, they're saying my name. But um, the point is, that's all. If, if, you, if this is new for you, if prayer for you is, if it's new for you, all you have to do is cry out, Father. Now, if you look at uh, Sheikh Muhammad, not many of us would be able to get an appointment with him. Okay? Maybe some of us would. I don't know. Maybe that's great if you can. Um, but most of us wouldn't be able to walk into his office and just speak to him. But yet... His sons can walk straight in there and interact with their father. It's the same with, the pres- with President Barack Obama. He, like, we would never be able to just r- rush into the White House and meet the guy and chat to him and say, how are you doing? But if his daughters need something, he's going to bend down and he's going he's to help them. I think it's the same with us and the Father in heaven, that he's ruling the universe. He's, he's fighting things. He's setting up his plans for, for eternity and all this kind of thing is going down. And the moment we say, Father, it's like a child going, Dada. We're saying, Father. And he comes and he listens. Prayer is simple. Prayer is just knowing God's name, which Jesus revealed to be his Father. So if this is, some of you, it is new for you, go home today or even after the meeting today and say, Father, just begin to speak to him. Don't have to bring him lists. I mean, you just think, imagine you go to your dad and you're just like, hey, dad, um, so today I really want this, I want this, I want this. Can you please make a plan for this, 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 this? And then you're like, your dad's just going, I know with my dad, he... He finds me on a Friday. He just wants to hang out. He doesn't even have to say anything to me. Like, that's how guys just generally communicate. We can just hang out and do nothing. 
But uh, I know my dad, it's just, it doesn't matter that if we even have a conversation about anything, it's actually just us connecting. And I think so often God wants that. And if you need to find your space, if it's with music, if it's with uh, a worship song or whatever it is, find your connection point to heaven. Point two, hallowed be your name. The word hallowed means to honor as holy. Now I think that speaks a whole lot of things, but I think first of all we need to honor God as holy in our lives, how we live, how we conduct ourselves, because God has changed us and He's, and he's made us like His Son, and it's, it's that whole side. But I think the, the, the key for us as believers is that Jesus spoke about intimacy. The very next line He brings in reverence. And I think as believers, we have to live in that place where God is this loving Father. That even when we mess up, He's the prodigal son's Father. And, he's, and He has wide open arms. He gives us a ring. He puts new shoes on our feet. All of that stuff. God is that. God is 100% that. But Jesus, who is His Son, says, Listen, I'm, your, I'm, re- I'm speaking to my Father, but also hallowed be His name. Revere His name because He is God. And He is in charge. And for me, that's... That, that brings such a sobering fact that it's not even about me sinning, messing up, whatever it is. Is that God is God. He's this loving, strong, perfect Father in heaven. Star, uh, God spoke to her a couple of days ago, so I'm just quickly claiming this, if you're okay with it, Star. He says, we need to teach my people to thank Him. Thank me, God said it. We need to teach my people to thank me. And I think... There's that, can we turn our Bibles to Luke 17, 11? You can keep a little placer in Matthew 6, Luke 17, 11. On the way to Jerusalem, do we have it? Oh, we don't, okay. Okay. As Jesus continued towards Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria, As he entered a village there, ten lepers stood out at a distance crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Next one. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. So he wasn't even a, a Hebrew and uh, obviously Jesus brings a lot of that in. It says, Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are, the other, where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. So often God does things in our lives and we forget to thank Him. It's like we trust, we trust, we trust, we trust, we trust. We forget to thank Him. And I... And I love that Star picked up the mic today and just started thanking God for His goodness, thanking God for His provision. And I think we need to take, if you guys have a journal, if you write on your phone or whatever it is, start writing down your thankful, have a thankful prayer list. It's with thankfulness, thankfulness that we enter into the presence of, of God. It's, it's an immediate thing where God listens up. He says, okay, this, this person has manners. And I, have a, I honestly have a big thing about manners. Like Stalin and I, just say please and thank you. That's honestly, it's so simple. So you go to someone's house, they give you something, thank them for it. Um, if, uh, if someone gives you a gift, thank them for it. Just live a life of gratefulness. Now, can you imagine how much it must, I don't know if God can ever be grated or upset because he's, he's God. I think he can get angry about stuff. But 
we need to learn to be thankful for him. And I love this verse. It says, go, he went back and he thanked God. And Jesus says, where are the other nine? And he says, yet this foreigner came and thanked me. We need to learn to be thankful. Luke 7, 47 says, Therefore I tell you, her, her sins, I'll give you the context now, Therefore I tell you, her sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Whoever has been forgiven much, loves much. And there was this moment where Jesus was sitting with Pharisees, and the lady who was called an immoral woman, which we know was a prostitute, comes, and, and he wa- she washes his, her, uh, Jesus' feet with her hair, pours perfume over him, and honors him in that place. And then the Pharisees are like, don't you know who this woman is? Why are you letting her touch her? He says, she has been forgiven much, and she loves much. And I think if we forget to be thankful, we need to get on our knees and say, Jesus, return that first love. Return that love I had at first before you. Do not let it dry, go cold. Almost finished. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, Simply, and I've taught on this before, but the, the kingdom of God is, is God's domain. Wherever someone gets saved, healed, uh, demonic deliverance, I wrote a few things out here. Whenever we pray for someone and God answers our prayers, the kingdom is advancing forward. And we need to be praying on a daily basis that God's kingdom comes to earth. And I, I follow a bunch of pastors around the world, and one of the guys leads a church in, in New York, and he's got a hashtag. It says, in New York as it is in heaven. And I want it to be that, to be our church hashtag, if there's such a thing. In Dubai, as it is in heaven, that, that we see in Dubai that there's lots of pain, there's lots of hurt, there's lots of broken people, there's lots of poor people, a couple of hundred meters from us. What are we going to do? What is God putting on your heart right now to do? To be a participator in this church, not a listener, not come grab some good food and then leave, maybe whatever, drop your kids off, but actually be participators. Some of you have incredible influence and incredible places where God can bring, you can feed thousands. I know I've chatted to Marco before. He's part of a, a big group of company that, that feeds 10,000 orphans. Am I right? 60,000. Okay. I was a bit off. <laughs> we have the ability in us. All of us have something that we can give where we bring the kingdom to earth. And I think so often we pray in God, can we do this? Can we do this? But the answers to God's prayers is actually us. And I want to read you, uh, George Muller. Who's heard of George Muller? He, had a, he, he ran an orphanage in Bristol, England. He started out as a thief. God saved him. He got radically saved. His father, he wanted to go into ministry. His dad said, no ways. Anyway, he went into ministry, and he started preaching. So many people say, but then God laid on his heart to start an orphanage. And he, and he led this orphanage for so many years. And, and over those years, there was um, 10,000 kids that came through that orphanage. And can you think of the legacy that that has left? That one man where he said, you know what, I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to stand up. I'm gonna, and in one instance, he had 50 cents, the equivalent of 50 cents in his pocket. And he was praying and he said, God, you, you need to build this. You need to build this orphanage. The next couple of days later, he got seven, equivalent of $7 million. And I think, you know what, God is just waiting for some of us to step out. He's saying, you know what, some of you have influence, you have the ability, you can organize things well, but you know what, just step out in faith. And do you want to change the city? Do you want to change eternity? Do it. Number four, give us today our daily bread. I want to read you a story again about George Muller. It says, the children are dressed, this is obviously the orphans, and ready to go to school, but there's no food for them to eat. The house mother of the orphanage informed George Muller. George 
asked her to take 300 children into the dining room and have them sit at tables. He thanked God for the food and waited. God knew that he would provide the food. So George knew that God would provide the food for the children as he always did. Within minutes, a baker knocked at the door. Mr. Miller, he said, last night I could not sleep. Somehow I knew that you would need bread this morning. I got up and I baked three batches for you. I'll bring it in. Soon after that, another knock at the door was the milkman. His cart had broken down in front of the orphanage. The milk would spoil by the time the wheel was fixed. He asked George if they could use some free milk. George smiled as the milkman brought 10 large cans of milk. It was enough for 330 children. God brings our daily bread. And I think there's, there's wisdom in investing and there's wisdom in, in handling your finances right and all that kind of thing. But don't put your trust in that. As we saw in 2008, in a moment that could disappear. Our trust is in the provider who has, a, who has cats, yeah, what is that? cats on the valley of a thousand hills. Basically, God is a lot of cash. God is a lot of resources. God is not lacking. And, I, and I've been, it's amazing, just this whole week, um, just my devotions have been all about finances, which is weird because I'm just reading through the Bible, but it just speaks about how we handle our, worth, our worldly wealth is an investment into the future, into an investment into eternity, investment into the kingdom of God. And we need to learn that the money that God gives us is His. It's not first and foremost yours. It's first and foremost His. God is your provider. He's the one that gave you a mouth, hands, a brain to get you that job. He provides. We need to listen to Him what He wants, what he wants to do with that money. And I've been honestly blown away by the size at times of our church when we've done offerings and what people have given. And can I encourage you, just keep that up. Because it's not for my sake, as Paul writes. It's not for my sake that you're doing it, but you're crediting yourself something in heaven. When we, when, when we take God's money, we say, do you know what, I'm going to do, some, I'm gonna do a kingdom initiative with this thing. It changes everything. Revi- I believe, honestly, even revival and an open-handedness of wealth go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. God is our provider. And then uh, just the last two. And forgive us our debts as we have also uh, forgiven our debtors. And the amazing thing is that how that is linked. Is that we are, f- we are forgiven when we forgive others. And, uh, and I've told this story before, so forgive me, but some of you are new and you're going to get it again if you've heard it. But uh, Ram, Stala, myself, we're praying in this uh, village in the middle of um, the tea fields in Sri Lanka. And this lady was crippled in the corner. Um, and she just couldn't move. She hadn't moved in a couple of years. And uh, we just started praying over her, praying over her, obviously through the interpreter. And then eventually it came out through words of knowledge, through, through all of us just kind of feeling stuff and trying to hear the Father. And in those moments, you don't really know what you're doing. You think you do, but you don't. You know? And so you just, you're listening, you say, okay. And then one of us said, like, oh, something about forgiveness. And as they did that, the lady started bawling. And then it, it turns out a few days later, she was walking because she had learned how to forgive that person. A few days later, she was, two months later, she was leading prayer meetings in that same little tea village. It's because she's learned how to forgive. There's something so powerful, and I, honestly, I feel like for, unforgiveness imprisons you. Unforgiveness towards anyone imprisons you. And the, the Bible is so clear that you want... We want God's forgiveness, of course, yes, God forgive me. But God's also saying, forgive your brother. Forgive someone who's offended with you. And I, I want to say this, take short accounts of your life. You fight with your wife. Don't let, the, the Bible says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Don't 
Don't let it go, don't go to sleep angry and then you wake up and you're just both crabby and then they've got a few days of being crabby with one another. Sort it out quickly. You sin. Sort it out quickly. You offend someone, you sort it out quickly. If someone offends you, go sort it out quickly. Because honestly, carrying offense, carrying, uh, carrying these things, it just eats up. And I've seen that, I've, I've had to forgive people over the years and I actually, I, I generally am quite fine with that. My mom always taught us like water off a duck's back. Don't let, don't let things affect you. And there's stuff that people have said to me that I've legitimately, you just go forgiven. Because I know that, it's, that life is too short to harbor unforgiveness. Matthew 6.14, it says, For if you forgive others of their trespass, your heavenly Father will forgive you also. We took communion today, and when we teach around that, basically it says if you've got an issue with a brother, ghost or sister, Go sort it out before you take community. Otherwise, you, you're actually drinking judgment on yourself. It's quite, it's, quite a, it's quite a hectic scripture, but I think there's so much truth in that. If we just, if we just lay hold of it and say, do not. I'm gonna tr-. The Bible says, do your best to live at peace with all men. It's not like you're going to be best buddies and you're going to be best friends, but it says, do your best to live at peace with one another. And finally, this. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Bible comment, Gil's Bible commentary says, that God would, deli- would lead us not into the power of sin and so we can be overcome by it. We need to pray that over our lives. There's a very real enemy. There's, uh, if you don't believe in spiritual war- warfare and the demonic, we'll take you on a trip to Sri Lanka or Nepal one day and you'll see that there's, that there's a real demonic realm. I think in the West and where we live here, it's very dimmed down by medicine and by a whole bunch of other things. But uh, it's since planning this church, we've had different times where there's been sustained spiritual attack. And, and we've honestly felt it. And, like, and I'm not one to see stuff, okay? Like, I'm, like, I'm not that kind of dude. But I've, I've legitimately seen stuff that has freaked me out. And I just, just, all it does is it doesn't make me afraid. It's like, you know what, we're part of a real battle. And, we, and, we part, and, and for me, we have to understand that our prayers, leading us not into temptation, our prayers affect eternity. There's a quote that says, you're so heavenly minded that you know earthly good. But I think... We're so earthly minded that we know heavenly good. That uh, we're so focused on the day to day. We're so focused on, on stuff that doesn't matter in eternity that we're not actually affecting eternity. So can we stand together and pray? Maya, it would be awesome if we could play something. That would be great. Father, can we all say that together? Father, say it again once more. Father, This is such a powerful thing, Lord, that we can come and approach you, the living King. We can cry out, Daddy. And Lord, we're just praying right now. We're gonna, I'm going to pray this prayer and say, Father, you're in heaven. We honor your name, Jesus. Let your kingdom come in this place. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, would you bring us our daily bread, our pr- the provision that we need. God, would you forgive all of us here for the sins we've committed, God. And also I pray right now, God, that we would release people. And if we have to go after this meeting and talk to people and and sort things out, we would do that. That we would release people. We would forgive people right now. And God, I pray over us as a church that you would not lead us in temptation and deliver us from evil. Father, that, that there may be a sustained attack in some of our lives. Some of us have gone through tough times, but Father, we would not back down or give up. 
Father, we pray that this week, Lord God, you would lead us into, into, into wide paths, Lord Jesus. Father, I just pray for, for those who have been struggling with sin, habitual addictions, whatever. God, I just pray that you would break it right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we know that everything has a spiritual something to it. God, and I pray that right now. I pray, Lord God, your kingdom would come to earth this morning. Let your kingdom come, Jesus. Just begin to ask God. Say, God, let your kingdom come into my marriage, my heart, my life, my finances. Some of you are trusting God for breakthroughs. Just say, God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven.